From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Holy moly. I think you're going to have some big breakthroughs listening to this episode. We have Neen James here talking about Attention Pays, her new book, and paying attention and just sort of prioritizing and productivity, which I think is powerful. This is now our sort of third week in a row where we've had a guest, one of the world's leading thought leaders talking about this. And there was something that Neen said that really set something off in me that clarified something I've been trying to clarify for my own life related to prioritization and productivity probably for five or six years. And I've got a working premise, a working theory that isn't fully vetted, but I've put it together for you and the four elements of an impact score. This way to create a tangible score to help you determine kind of what you should focus first on and what you should concentrate on. And so you're going to hear the interview with Neen, and then I'm going to share with you this new, brand new concept. Again, not fully vetted, but I want to hear your thoughts on it because I think it could be really, really powerful. These four elements of impact score, a mathematical way to help you prioritize based on some unconscious calculations that I think everybody is making and hopefully creating clarity and putting some semantics and articulating maybe some of the things that multipliers are doing that we they're doing, but that not everybody does. So I hope you stick around to hear that at the end, the four elements of impact score. It's a new mathematical formula. Very excited about it. So glad that you were here. I think you're going to love it. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. She is one of my favorite people and specifically one of my favorite speaker friends, Neen James, is in, you know, you could say she's in my space, I'm in her space, but we openly and abundantly welcome each other to each other's audiences because she has such good stuff. She, uh, you know, talks about productivity and self-discipline and accountability, and she has a new book called Attention Pays. How to Drive Profitability, Productivity, and Accountability to Achieve Maximum Results. And so, you know, we talked even just a few weeks ago where I said, hey, one of the keys to becoming an expert in your category is you need to read all the books and all the research that's being done in your space. Well, Neen is somebody who I have to to read and learn from and make sure that I'm up to date. And she's somebody that you should be learning from too. So Neen, welcome to the show. 
G'day, what a delight to be able to serve your listeners again. I love what you're doing in the world and I do follow your journey. You are someone, I remember when I very first saw you keynote and you've just done this amazing exponential growth and I love how you're serving the world with what you're doing as well. Well, thank you, sweetheart. And I, um, I, the thing I'm always interested in, especially in productivity, is what is new? How are we forwarding the conversation? And that to me is really important because there's a million books on time management and, you know, whatever, <laughs> self-management and things, but people are still overwhelmed. They're still behind. And so I guess I'm always trying to figure out who is forwarding the conversation, who is advancing the okay. thinking in a way that can help just me personally, let alone, you know, other people. I'm, I'm sort of selfishly trying to constantly get new strategies. And so I guess that'd be my, my first question for you is, you know, when you think about attention pays, and I know that you're, you're kind of focused on creating this attention revolution. What do you think is new? What do you, what do you think is the forward thinking element of, of this book and why, why this book, why right now? And how do you think this advances the, the, the conversation around, you know, productivity and results? When you think about time, time's going to happen whether you like it or not. You and I, we get the same 1,440 minutes in a day. We can't control time. Time's a great equalizer and time is not prejudiced. And I don't believe in time management. I think time management's out the window. And as in the world, we don't have a time management crisis. We have an attention crisis. Mm. You can't manage time, but you can manage your attention. We get a choice about what we want to gift our attention to. And I think we have developed this attention deficit society. And I'm not talking ADD. That's something very different that's medically diagnosed. I'm talking about an attention deficit society where people are wandering around, to your point, they're overwhelmed, they're overstressed. And, they're and just over so you know, I'm not actually texting. I'm taking notes is what I'm doing. Here. <laughs> some of you are listening, but we have this on video. So I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm paying attention. I just want you to know that but people would be like, look at he's, he's texting while we're talking about this. No, I'm not. But when you think about it, Rory, like we are attached to our devices. When I was researching the book, Attention Pays, I named this overwhelmed, overstressed, overtired as the over trilogy. And we did all this research around the concerns people have. And I don't know if you've heard this, but one of the things we uncovered in our research is, I mean, just take a stab. How many times do you think we touch our cell phone in a day? Just like take a guess. How many times? Well, I know exactly how many times because okay. I'm tracking tracking it with an app right now that okay. tells you yeah. that. The so, Moments app is amazing. Is the Moments like, app, yes. It's amazing. It's amazing. But according to D-Scout study last year, the okay. average user touches their cell phone. Are you ready? 2,617 times a day. Like that's... Imagine touching anything or anyone that many times a day. You would like probably go on a list. I mean, that's so crazy. That's got to be counting letters though. That can't be, that's not pickups or whatever. It's got to be just like physical. You're touching it. You're touching your phone. But yeah. here's what concerns me about that is I think what's happened in moving the conversation forward is we've made technology more important than people. And so what's happening is we're creating these behaviors and habits where if the person's not engaging us, we look to our device. 
Or when as leaders, when people come into our office, we don't look up from our computer. We keep finishing that email. I watch people when they're out on this hot date and they're both sitting there texting as opposed to having that beautiful conversation. Ooh, sexy. Uh, Let me text you while I sit in front of you. That's that's like a sex appeal. It's crazy. And I think devices have a place and I'm not anti-cell phones and I love the way they help us stay connected in the world. However, I think what is really important as leaders to think about is how do you truly want to get people focused on the results, whether it's productivity, profitability, and holding that team accountable. And so the work when I was, my body of work now is really focused on advancing the conversation. Who deserves your attention? what deserves your attention and how are you going to pay attention in the world? And that's what we call the attention pays framework. So personally, professionally, and globally, because we need to pay attention to those important relationships. Okay. So, so I want to, I do want to talk about those and I want to talk, you know, specifically about leaders. I know one of the things this book is, is slanted, uh, a little bit towards the direction of leaders versus mm-hmm. I know some of the other work you've done has been more towards like the end end user, which I think is interesting because it's, it's how does the leader, you know, kind of shape their attention span. But I want to come back to what you said. Uh, I think you called it the attention trilogy. Is mm-hmm. that what the you said? The over trilogy. Yeah. Overwhelmed, overstressed and overtired. Yes. Mm. Um, and so when you say that you're saying overwhelmed, that means that you are, uh, it's a feeling that results from having more to do than you can do. Over mm-hmm. and overstressed means feeling the pressure from what you have to do. And then tired is just, you're not physically getting the amount of rest and energy. Is that kind of the way you would, you would delineate those? And think about the way we show up in the world with our spiritual lives, emotional lives, relational lives, our physical lives. Like we have an educational life. There's all these components to us. And when you think about the fact that let's just stay like some basics. If you don't get the sleep you need, you don't have the energy that you need. If you don't take care of your body and you eat the right things, uh, if you're not meditating or doing your quiet time or whatever that means or looks like for you, these components, what happens is we constantly respond to busy And I think we live in a society where we try and out-busy each other. Like, it's fascinating to me, especially in the U.S., where we wear busy like a badge of honor. Like, you go to a party or you go to a meeting and someone says, well, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm busy. And then someone goes, oh, my God, you think you're busy? I'm so busy. And we're like wearing this like it's something we're proud of and what I want people to think about is we have a hundred percent choice about who gets our attention and where we're spending our time and our energy and so I think what's happening is we're just doing things we're crossing things off lists and the wrong things are making it to our list we're going through our email but we're not diligently being strategic about what really requires our attention so let's talk about that specifically because I think you know in procrastinating on purpose we we said uh you know, the next generation time management is not about your to-do list. It's about your not to-do list. Mm-hmm. And I know you talk about sort of these, these three levels, uh, personally, professionally, and globally. I want to look at personally first, who deserves our attention? And this, I think, is, is really key. It's one thing to say, oh, we all are overwhelmed. We all have an attention problem. When you move into what do we do about it? And what do leaders do about it? I love the way that you have this laid out. Who deserves your attention? What deserves your attention? And then how do you lend your attention? So talking first about how do you decide who deserves your attention and who doesn't? And because even the thought of that is a little bit 
emotionally, it feels a little bit like judgment, right? I'm, I'm having to say this does and this doesn't, or this person does and this doesn't. And emotionally that's like, Oh my gosh, I don't, you know, I feel like I'm committing a sin, like I'm judging and all I'm trying to do is deciding. So how do we reconcile those emotions and, and, and what is the framework or what are the, what are the triggers or what are the calculations in our mind that we go, yep, this does deserve attention and nope, this does not. Right. Think of it as like concentric circles. In the middle circle, you have those most intimate relationships. So obviously our attention is going to be to our intimate circle first. Then it's going to be maybe the immediate circle. These are people like your family, your extended close relationships. And these are the people that we wear in our heart, that us that have that place in our heart that are super important. But then when you think about that, it then goes out beyond that. And we look at the colleagues that we work with, our team members that we serve, our leadership that we serve, our clients we serve. And then ultimately widen than that is our community. Many of us have board positions, volunteers in our church community temple. So if you think of it as concentric circles, and when you're really pressed for time, you want to think about how close are these people to you. And so when you consider what priorities you have on your plate, the people that you care the most deeply about are often the reason you work as hard as you do. The reason people work so hard and get stressed and get tired is they're trying to create a lifestyle for people they love. The challenge, Rory, is that those people end up getting the leftovers because they're working so hard, they don't have the best of that individual. I just want leaders to start to consider how they're prioritizing and scheduling their time so that that intimate and immediate circle become a priority in their calendar. You might have, as a leader, multiple meetings you get invited to, but you want to think about of those meetings, of those people, those relationships, who's going to advance, what meetings can you attend, what people can you invest in, what relationships do you need to improve to ultimately impact your results. And most leaders that I know have their own KPIs, key performance indicators, and it could be profitability targets, it might be performance objectives, but there are things that are going to impact that. So we have to think about who in those circles is impacting those results, and that will help you make those decisions about who deserves your attention. And so should you not feel bad about like, let's say there's more going on than you can keep up with. Should you not feel bad about retreating to the inner circle and, and just kind of going, you know what? I can't volunteer for that thing. I can't, I can't be on, you know, I can't do Facebook live videos. I can't Mm -hmm. join my associate. I can't serve on my association board or, and is that you, you, is that just at some point you just got to go, yeah, you got to let that stuff go. And I think of my life in seasons. And so, for example, there are certain seasons, for example, you know what this is like when you publish a new book, when you released your company, when you were building your team, when you had a new baby. We have these seasons in our life and those seasons often dictate who becomes the focus of our attention. So when you write a new book, like Attention Pays, it's like having a baby. I haven't had a baby, but I'm going to say it's maybe not as physically painful, but it's emotionally ridiculous, right? So it's going to be time-consuming, thought-consuming. It's 
it's going to be the focus of my time and attention. When we look at our calendar and the seasons in our life, there will always be choices. There will always be people who want your attention. There will be people that want you to serve, churches, temples, associations, industries. There will be people on the team who want more of your attention than others. And one of the things that we have to think about is it's not selfish to take self-care. And so you may need to start with yourself and think about, okay, today, what do I need to do? Who do I need to invest in in order for me to advance my goals, my objectives, my relationships? Are you going to feel bad? Yeah. Are you going to disappoint people? Absolutely. Are you going to feel a little bad about those things? Definitely. And we have to, as leaders, come to terms with the fact that we can't be everything to everyone. We can't be at every meeting. We can't be at every uh, board meeting or association event or conference we want to attend. We have to make very deliberate choices. And I really believe that our attention is a choice. Attention is all about connection. We get to choose who we want to connect with and how that's going to connect us to the bigger objectives we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I've... Uh a lot of times I'll describe to like our listeners, I say, thank you for your attention because I think attention is a choice. It's also a currency. And it's like, I feel so privileged and honored and obligated to deliver value when people, they, they give us the currency of their time and their attention. And that's not something, you know, to take lightly on a, on a one-on-one schedule scale or, or on a, on a broad scale. So I, I like that idea that attention is a choice. Talk to me about what, Okay. So, you know, who do you say no to? I like the concentric circles idea. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a cool visual and, and to go, Hey, it's, it's not a bad thing to retreat, especially when you're in certain high seasons, you kind of retreat and then you can okay. kind of go back out. That's a, that's cool. Uh, what about what to lend your attention to? I think you, mm-hmm. you describe this as a, as professionally, right? This is, I do. Yeah. This is really, if you think about what deserves your attention is how do you really get productive? And you and I love this space. It's really about choosing what is going to deserve your attention. Now, for many of the leaders I work with, they have KPIs, K-performance indicators, or they have objectives. And many of your listeners would have their own version of goals, whether it's the personal or professional goals that they've set up. But the what is all about prioritizing the time and attention you have to achieve the goals that you have in your life. So for many, whether you're an individual, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a solopreneur, maybe you're a speaker listening to this, maybe you are a service leader, a community leader, what you want to think about is what are the things that will actually advance what it is you're working on. So for me, I'm going to call that productivity. One of the things I encourage people to think about is think about time in a different way. So if we all get that 1,440 minutes in a day, and chances are these days people don't feel like they have an hour anymore, could you just look at time in 15-minute increments? I think 15 minutes is the key to productivity. And if Mm. you can have 15 dedicated minutes, it's amazing what you can achieve. And so what I encourage all my leaders to do, let's just start with a 15-minute strategic appointment with yourself every single day, have Mm. one strategic appointment at the beginning of the day, and here's what I encourage all my leaders to do. And it doesn't matter whether they're executives from Paramount Pictures, Comcast, J&J, all the leaders I work with, they have this 15-minute strategic appointment, and what they do is they identify their top three not negotiable activities. So before your head hits the pillow tonight, what's your three? And I, look, my simplest way to do this, I've tried every app, spreadsheet, you name it, I've tried it, and I still come back to a super fancy little post-it note. And on the post-it note, I literally write, today I will, 
and then I write my three things. See, I know. I love it. I love it. It is truly the easiest thing because that little tiny post-it note becomes your decision filtering system and you can carry that post-it note with you everywhere. So every leader I work with, it's just one strategic appointment. It's 15 minutes long and you identify your top three not negotiable activities. And every listener can do that just by investing 15 minutes and they get hyper clear on what's most essential for today. So the what is about identifying what is your not negotiable activities that absolutely must get completed. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's really a conversation um, about alignment and what to do. It's kind of like if you figure out what your, what your goal is for, for the day or whatever, and then it's, it's giving yourself, you're aligning what you're spending your time. I like the strategic appointment thing is also very cool. Um, and, uh, I, uh, that's, that's all I'm, I'm, for those of you that are listening and not watching, I held up my sticky note. That is uh, what I, every day I just go, no matter what, these are the things. And what's crazy is like, if I get three of those done, that's like a great day because you're in meetings and con- you know, you're on calls and stuff the whole, right. the whole day. Um, Okay, so very, so very good. I like the the fifteen minute thing and the strategic appointment. That that's powerful. Is um, okay. So now, now the third part. One of the words that you introduced here, which I think is powerful, is globally, mm-hmm. and that caught my attention because thinking about that connect that what is the connection thinking the connection of how you spend your personal time and how does that apply globally. So can you talk about the concept of what you mean when you use the word globally? I do. I think that the way that we choose to show up in the world, this is the how, like how are we really taking care of, let's look at the resources we have, the planet that we live on. So globally is not just the world in which we live and taking care to make sure we're paying attention to recycle and protect the species and just to be a better human, to make better, more responsible decisions. It's also about the community in which you serve and for many people it could be that if you're listening to this maybe you are involved in your school board maybe you are involved in your church community maybe you are involved in a community where you can then think about how do I show up as the best version of myself how do I take care of the resources that I have the people that I serve so global to me is obviously the planet in which we live and how we're paying attention to that but also too if you think about this as a business owner and I know many of your listeners Rory are business owners as business owners we have a responsibility to take care of the resources that we are given and it could be as simple as implementing a recycling program in your organization and so many organizations have done a brilliant job of engaging their employees and helping with this many of the clients I work with some of my pharmaceutical clients for example they give their employees a day of service where they are at choice about where they want to serve in the community or something they're passionate about and they're paid for this day because the company is so committed to that 
there are organizations. One of my favorites is an organization called City Year. It's a partnership that Comcast, one of my clients, Dave Cohen is on their board. And so every year they support City Year. And City Year is just a phenomenal organization, kind of like the Peace Corps for Kids, Rory. But what Comcast has done as a corporate citizen is support City Year. There are so many ways that as companies we can do it, as leaders we can look for opportunities to encourage our team to give their attention to things that they're passionate about. Many organizations, as you and I both know, we have lots of speaker friends who talk about all these amazing things that they saw a need and then they fixed it. Doc Henley, Wine to Water, he saw a need for, he was a bartender in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he realized the world needed more water and there were places without it. And so he created these wells all over the world. There are so many ways we can pay attention to the planet we live on and the the communities we serve in. We just have to start directing our attention because we may only have a small amount of time, but we definitely have resources and attention we can give to it. And so uh, how do you just kind of reconcile that, the conflict, you know, kind of coming back to your, you know, early on where you have like your intimate uh, circle, your immediate circle, and then you get out to the community. And now here, when you start thinking globally, is that the same thing is kind of going, okay, think about certain places we can use our attention, um, to make more of that community impact or global impact or, or how do you, are those the two same, are those the same two levels in that conversation or are they different and how do you? I think they can intersect. I think they're different. So for example, if you're a leader listening to this, you have employees who work with you. There might be particular things they're really passionate about. As an organization, are you able to even implement something like a matching program that every dollar they donate to a particular organization, your organization matches it? That's not actually going to take you a lot of time, but as an organization, you're saying we stand for something. It might be as a leader that you have the opportunity to control sponsorship dollars for uh, different events. Maybe that's a way. So you may not have a lot of time on your hands, but you may have resources. It could be the opposite. It could be you don't have a lot of financial resources to contribute, but you do have time where you could volunteer and you could help. So I think it is that outer concentric circle of community but I do believe each of us has a responsibility to truly take care of the community we serve in and the greater world. Now, being Australian, I'm obviously very environmental. What? You're Australian? I no way. Go figure. Really, really, really sad. I and thought your accent was from New Jersey. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's exactly where this is from. But as Australians are very environmentally, we're a small country. We recycle everything. Like things are organic just because they are. And that's sort of how I grew up. And then when I moved to the US, there was a really big disconnect for me in just when I saw like... Wow, it's like different here, you know? And so for me, I think there is an incredible personal passion too, but it doesn't have to be a big deal. Imagine if people just started like recycling in their homes a little more diligently. Imagine if we just took more care about maybe there's an opportunity to walk or catch public transport as opposed to constantly getting in our cars. Now, this is my little bandwagon. This is my little soapbox, I guess. But I think each of us every day can make different decisions around what we're putting our attention towards that have a greater impact on the world. Yeah. And so, you know, part of this global thing is too, it's, it's like you have the personal concentric circles, but then when you get to global, you're, you're thinking about uh, at the company level, how are you making an impact and what are you doing to sort of empower your, 
empower your team. Um, okay, well, and I, home, I have... And home, at work, and in your community. It's, it's another set of circles. And I think for each of us, it doesn't have to be something we're spending time on every day. I just want to raise the awareness of how we're investing our global attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have one other question for you in just a second about leaders. But before I do that, the, the, when the, where do you want people to go to connect with you? And Attention Pays, again, is the name of the book. And it's depending on when you're listening to this, it's, it may not be out yet. But it's how to drive profitability, productivity, and accountability to achieve maximum results. And Neen James is who you're listening to. Where, where do you want people to go, Neen? I'm the only Neen James online. So if you Google Neen James, N-E-E-N-J-A-M-E-S.com, you will find me. So Neen James on Twitter, LinkedIn. If you want to see my adventures, go to Instagram. But you'll be able to find everything you need about the book if you just do a search by my name. There's only one Neen James online. Even if I, if I Google Neen James, New Jersey accent, <laughs> I think you, you, still, you still come up. <laughs> Maybe. You're the only Neen that I've ever, ever, ever met. So um, I like that. So our last little question for you, Neen, in, in the spirit of leadership, business owners and leaders measure every financial cost to a business. They measure what they spend on pencils and paper clips and flyers and salaries, but almost nobody measures and tracks the amount of time that is wasted, or in your case, let's say the amount of attention that is right. wasted. But when you're a leader, uh, knowing that attention is a form of currency, mm-hmm. every, every second of attention that someone on your team is spending on something that is not in alignment with the vision or the objectives mm-hmm. that you're moving them, there is a, a real financial cost to that. So right. if there's leaders out there listening and they're going, wow, I have some people with some attention problems. We're losing our attention for us is, is not paying. It's costing us because people are not paying attention to the right things. What as a leader would be the very first thing you, you would suggest that they take action on if you go, hey, this is something that if you do this action with your team, you should see an immediate improvement in their attention. The first thing I would suggest, Rory, is eliminate distractions. In according to the Information Overload Group, it costs US businesses $588 billion every year because of constant interruptions. So think about how do we eliminate distractions? And just as a leader, one of the biggest distractions is you. You as the leader are often the biggest problem, right? Because you're constantly saying to your team, hey, do you have a second? Do you have a minute? Do you have a second? Do you have a minute? It's never a second. It's never a minute. And then you might say to someone, hey, can you, what would, what do you think about this? Now that person then takes that and says, oh my God, my boss wants me to go find out about this. And so they go on this path. As a leader, you call meetings unnecessarily. You've always had an 8.30 Monday morning meeting. So you still have the 8.30 Monday morning meeting. And I'm suggesting maybe what you want to consider is every time you ask someone to spend their minutes minutes with you, they never get them back. So as a leader, can you eliminate some of the distractions, including how you are a distraction to your team as well? I often consult to organizations, let's just say even on their environment. Some of my clients have moved from offices to open plan productivity. And while open plan is collaborative and it's fun and it's energetic, it can also bring its own set of challenges. And so for many of my clients who've had to be able to teach them, how do you pay attention in these fast moving open 
and plan environment. So I want to encourage the leaders who are listening, Rory, have a look at where you can eliminate distractions. Maybe encourage people to wear headphones if they're trying to get work done. Book a meeting space if they're trying to get very thoughtful, strategic work done. Allow some of your team members to work from home if they're working on something strategic and important. Start cancelling meetings that are unnecessary. Stop sending emails late at night. Oh, my gosh, so many leaders that I work with, I beg them to stop sending emails late at night. While it may be out of your brain and in someone else's inbox, every time you send a team member an email late at night, you're stealing minutes from their family. And I want you just to think about it. You can write the email. Just don't send it. Save it as a draft and send it tomorrow. There are so many ways as a leader we can help prevent this wasted money and time when we start focusing on how we can eliminate being a distraction. Wow, that's a sobering thought that as the leader, you are some of the cause of the the distraction. Well, very good, Neen. Thank you for uh, sharing with us and for forwarding the conversation and helping all of us try to get a, get a wrangle on what un- undoubtedly and inevitably is the biggest challenge that most of us are struggling with regardless of our position or job title or industry. And we just love you and your enthusiasm and your energy. And so we wish you all the best. Thank you. I appreciate being on here and thank you so much for everything that you do. How could you ever get tired of listening to Neen? Just that accent is so fun and so vibrant and and her information is so useful. I hope you really enjoyed that. Um, by the way, if you're not already tuning in over on my uh, YouTube channel, you can see we've started videoing as many of these interviews as possible. So if you if you follow me on YouTube or if you just go to RoryVadenBlog.com, we post all of the podcasts now there as both a podcast, including the video interview. Um, but the videos don't have this part of the show, which is the debrief, which I'm excited to share with you because I think I have something big for you. I um, have something really exciting that I'm excited to share with you. I think I have something powerful for you. And this is, I think this is really a huge uh, breakthrough, at least for me. Let me say it that way, because for years, literally, I've been trying to, even in, for my own life, being able to come up with frameworks to help me decide what to do and what not to do. And if you think about uh, my TED Talk or our book, Procrastinate on Purpose, where we talk about the focus funnel and there's eliminate, automate, delegate, procrastinate, and concentrate, um, I think you know the idea is that you run these tasks and you figure out, okay, can it be eliminated? Can it be automated? Can it be delegated? But then when you get down to the bottom of the focus funnel where that task drops out the bottom and you know it must be done and the task must be done by you, and so... The question is, should I do the task now, which is concentrate, or should I do the task later, which is procrastinate on purpose, which is where the title of the book comes from, is how do you actually in that moment decide what slides over into concentrate and what slides off into procrastinate to circle back? And, you know, I was tried to, every time I talked to someone like Cal Newport, who we had last week, or uh, we had Greg McHugh in from Essentialism several months ago, or Neen, and we had Laura Stack a few weeks ago, and some of the world's, literally the world's leading productivity thinkers, I'm always trying to dig in. Jay Papasan is another one who wrote The One Thing. We had him uh, several months back is trying to understand and, and codify something that is, is, is practical that we can all take to apply 
to our lives, or at least, again, just speaking for myself in my own life. And there was something about listening to Neen talk and just having been gestating on this for the last couple of years that I think I'm going to introduce here a, a working concept to you here on the podcast um, that isn't necessarily proven or tried. This is really kind of Rory's opinion and just I'm sort of free-flowing, but I think this is pretty powerful. I'm going to introduce to you the idea of an impact score, an impact score. And this is trying to answer the question, how do I decide what to say yes to and what to say no to? And this is a formula. I'm, again, this isn't totally vetted. I'm sort of talking some of this out with you in the, in the raw format here. Of what I think are four primary considerations or calculations that people are making at a subconscious level that then help then determine what to focus on now and concentrate and what to you know procrastinate or eliminate, automate, delegate, or procrastinate on. And I think it's these four calculations. And I'm going to give you, here's the four of them. Number one is a people. They make a people calculation. Number two is they make a priority calculation. Number three is they make a pay calculation. And number four, they make a passion calculation. And I think at a subconscious level, this is what ultra performers or multipliers are doing. And particularly the people conversation here, Neen helped me kind of clarify that, which, which kind of catalyzed some of my thinking that I'm going to just kind of share with you is that this happens at a subconscious level, but if we can understand what multipliers are doing at a subconscious level, then we can make it conscious and we can teach it to other people and we can replicate it and we can we can become more productive, not by doing things faster, but by focusing more on the things that really create results. So I'm going to briefly walk you through this here. I We only have five minutes left here of uh, of time but i think this is this is pretty powerful so first of all i think we make a people calculation and it's based on intimacy is that whenever we're looking at a task subconsciously we are factoring in who does this affect and uh, what neen said was really powerful for me was thinking about it in terms of concentric circles is you have this sort of it's like an intimacy calculation because and i would actually put at the center is you right you any anything that affects you personally is going to have a higher score then if it affects the people that you know you love the most you have your sort of uh, you know family and then you have your colleagues and your clients and then you have sort of the community then you sort of have the world at large and so let's just say you could give yourself a score of a 1 through 5 of there's a there's a people calculation and this is a formula people times priority times pay times passion equals your impact score so it's the people calculation times the priority calculation times the pay calculation times the passion calculation equals your impact score so um, that's the people as you go, okay, the closer to you in intimacy, the higher the score, the, the higher the, the people score. Okay, then the second calculation I think is a priority calculation. And in order to understand this, you really have to understand the significance calculation because this is based on the significance calculation. And this is all about what our, you know, the, the TED Talk I did was all about and our book, Procrastinating on Purpose. So you just need to kind of read that or get familiar with it. Um, is that 
you know, urgency is how soon does something matter, but significance is how long does something matter. And we're saying that the, the future and what multipliers do is they spend time on things today that create more time tomorrow. So this is a calculation of the long-term impacts. And that is what we're calling priority because we're saying that significance is a natural counterbalancing force to urgency. And so we're making, hopefully now, uh, basically, the Procrastinating Purpose book teaches you how to prioritize based on the significance calculation, but that is only one of four calculations, these four that I'm laying out here, that I think ultimately lead to the impact score, which I believe is something that we all do, but we all do it subconsciously, and when we don't do it right, we spend time on trivial, insignificant things, but when you do it right, like multipliers do, that's when you start creating impact. And impact a lot of times is based on long-term thinking or the significance calculation, what I'm going to call here the priority score. So there's a people score. And then the the greater the long-term impact, the greater the significance, uh, that's going to be the greater the priority score. So you give that a one through five. Then I think there is a third calculation, which happens, which is a pay score. And that all of us Every decision that we make, and I don't think this is bad, I think all of us are subconsciously evaluating pay, and this is based on profit. So not just is it going to help me make more money, but is it going to help me save money? Is it going to help my company make more money? Is it going to help my company save money? Does it not cost me anything in money, but it costs me something in terms of time? So it's based on profit. The more profitable a decision is for you, the higher the pay score the less profitable the decision is for you, the lower the pay score. And then finally, the fourth element here of your impact score, you're going to multiply these four things together, is the passion score. And the passion score is based on purpose. So if you're evaluating a task, I I believe you're subconsciously going, okay, you make a people calculation. Who does this affect? A priority calculation. How long is is this going to, you know, what is this going to, how is this going to play out over the long term? You make a pay calculation. How is this going to affect, uh, you know, me or my company financially? And then you make a, a passion calculation, which is based on purpose. And again, I think of this as a concentric circle kind of a thing. The more that the task is aligned with your personal purpose and or with your company purpose, the higher the passion score. The, the less it is aligned, the more of fringe it is, um, the more it's, it's on an outlier in terms of your personal passion or your personal, your company passion, the lower the passion score. And that if you make these four calculations, the people score, the priority score, the pay score, and the passion score, and you were to just you know, take every single task and score them out one through five, and then you multiply them all together, it would give you an overall impact score for that activity. And that then you could rank all your activities based upon this impact score. And that would help you prioritize what to concentrate on now and what to procrastinate on purpose to focus on later. So there you have it, the four elements of impact score, a brand new concept being vetted out here for you um, somewhat live on the Action Catalyst podcast. I hope that it helps you create clarity for your life. I hope it helps you create impact, and I hope it helps you multiply. Thanks for being here. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show 
and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.